Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents Donald Trump was a, a stain on our country. I'm someone's daughter, too. That's what I'm saying. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Sup Podcast. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Some amazing news this morning. Today, there are zero states in which pandemic cases are rising. That's actually amazing. Yeah, that is that we should we should appreciate it more. That's but crazy. Yeah. That I mean, we haven't seen a map without a red state on it for 14 months. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A map without a red state. Wouldn't you love to see it? (laughs) Wait, wait, I'm thinking I'm like, is a red state one that doesn't have COVID? No, before they were the ones that was like red is normally like a warning sign. They were the ones. Oh, I know the the map you're referring to. Yes. Yes. Strictly visual. But yeah, I feel like we're hitting all of these um, post pandemic or rounding out of the pandemic benchmarks that feel really anticlimactic, but they are pretty huge. We've been staring at this little thing on the side of the news for 14 months that says all the people that are dead and getting sick. I wonder when that will go away. That's the day. Right. I feel like, well, because we know that like there will still continue to be COVID Globally, and people will still yeah. continue to die from it. I feel like there will be like a U. I think the U S count will come down at like, in the fall or the end of the year is my prediction. Right. Absolutely. But I'm sure we'll probably still always see the global ones, which is important to to know. So today we're also going to talk about jobs as Americans are finally getting fully vaccinated and cases go down. As we said, why are so many fewer people returning to work than anticipated? Then I talked to Planned Parenthood CEO Alexis Mickle Johnson in light of National Women's Health Week. We talked about a campaign they have going on called Be Seen, how they're preparing for literally hot girl summer. She just volunteered <laughs> that they were getting ready to test, to do some testing. There will be lots of testing going on. She was like, people are used to getting tested now. Please come get tested as you resume socializing. <laughs> it's funny that they're, it's funny that it's called the Be Seen campaign because over the past year, I have not been seen at all. <laughs> That it's is like true. Then. Be seen without any clothes on. <laughs> That's true. It mostly is actually about like the intersections of like all the because everybody just associates Planned Parenthood with like ending a pregnancy, and they obviously do like so so much more. So she wants so to remind everybody more, of that. Yeah. So much more, a crazy amount more. They're obviously vital, but she did reiterate that is actually tied to. So this week is National Women's Health Week, and I was thinking to myself this morning what my ideal way to celebrate National Women's Health Week would be. And I was thinking just like, I don't know, in just a CBD bath <laughs> with a glass of rosé, HGTV. I feel like all you women do? should get the the week off to schedule all their doctor's appointments. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, like, you get to, like you do all you do your physical, you do your skin check, you do your, your dentist, pap, the whole your thing. pap smear, you like get a massage. You really can do one a day if you're a lady. <laughs> yeah. No, trust get me. There's a mammogram a if that's your age. Right. There is more than a week worth of female maintenance to be to be scheduled. Like you could do a morning and afternoon and fill an entire week. Yeah, and I'm going to include other appointments in that, like your mani pedi. We're getting our brows threaded, like doctor, yeah, eye doctor, exactly, all of those things. Cryotherapy, massage is health. Cryotherapy, exactly. Reiki, (laughs) acupuncture. Lymphatic drainage massage. Okay, so I think we're going to need more than a week. I think we're going to need more than a week. Yeah, (laughs) Women's Health Month. month. (laughs) Yeah, where we can make all of our appointments ranging from medically necessary to crystals. (laughs) (laughs) and also the and also the sephora sale coincides so you could like get new skin absolutely Absolutely. (laughs) genius um brands if you're listening i think we just came up with um an excellent campaign yeah Mm -hmm. so today we're going to address some fallout in washington over last week's jobs report this is not as boring as it sounds don't go to sleep i feel like i hear jobs report and i'm like ugh. All the other podcasts are going to talk about that, but that's boring. It's actually not. It's pretty interesting. This one is pretty interesting because we are at a really interesting point. As I said, rounding out this pandemic, we're at a point where we're about to be pretty safe to resume a lot of normal things, but we're asking ourselves how comfortable we are doing that and sort of remembering that like our country, it's still America and there are still a lot of problems and barriers to making people just want to jump back into the capitalist nightmare. So the job market hit its indica vape a little too hard last month. (laughs) Like, you know, it was on its way to work and it was like, maybe I need to pick me up. And then it was like, oh, shit. Yeah, like, oh, no, this was oh, a long down. <laughs> yes, pulled the wrong vape. I was going to put Indica in the newsletter, but I realized that could go to spam, so I changed it to nighttime. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But economists and federal officials expected the economy to add 1 million jobs in April as a result of waning domestic COVID cases and increased vaccination rates. Only a, about a quarter of those jobs actually materialized, about 266,000. So big womp womp there. For context, the labor market added about 700,000 jobs in March, almost 800,000, and about 550,000 in February. So we thought we would be tracking up, and it turns out the opposite was the case. This leaves us still about 8 million jobs short of where we were before the pandemic. I believe at the over the course of the pandemic, about 22 million jobs have been lost, and we are not fully recovered yet. So what happened here? Economists are split on whether there are plenty of workers, but a shortage of jobs or a shortage of workers, but plenty of jobs. Yes, I did have to say that several times just then to not say it the same way twice. <laughs> Sammy and I got confused. <laughs> I I know know that's right. saying. You know what she's trying to say. <laughs> President Biden said the impacts of the massive $1.9 trillion stimulus will take time to show up in the jobs market. Uh, that's It's a lot of money to spend and settle in. While his allies say the modest growth proves the package could have been even bigger. We were hearing a lot from economists at the time that were saying this is really as small as it can be to not be catastrophic. And I feel like that's kind of what we're seeing. We're starting to sort of break even on growth, but things aren't getting worse in some areas in this country. Meanwhile, Republican opponents are saying that extended unemployment benefits are removing incentives for Americans to return to a job outside the home. Reminder, these are $300 a month. Or, excuse me, $300 a week, adding up to $1,200 a month. Ballin'. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is, this is what kills flip, me. It's flip, like, flip. <laughs> like I feel okay. I feel like the the that extended unemployment benefit doesn't act as like a real incentive. It just maybe allows people to delay it, maybe because they want to find a job that doesn't suck. Because let's be real, like we can talk about like just treatments of workers, conditions, like all those things. Like people don't want to go back into that, especially while the virus is still going on. Um, and then like this $300 a week is not, no one's like, I'm just going to coast on this for the rest of my life. I don't life. know anywhere like, in the country where you can have like, I don't know, part of, I shouldn't say this part of it is like, if you just want to live a life on $1,200 a month, then that's you fine. You don't, I, I don't think that we all have <laughs> to be ambitious, end. right? Exactly. Nobody, no place in the country. It is going to end. Everybody knows it's going to end. They had an idea of when the federal government promised them it was going to end. And yeah. we'll get to how that might end prematurely for some of them. That's the thing I've been thinking about is number one, if a $300 a week check is revolutionizing your employee's life by so much that they don't want to return to your job, like the job you're offering people sucks ass. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. And number two, like I've been on unemployment in the past and not during a situation as chaotic as this. I have a lot of friends who had to navigate the unemployment situation during this time. It is very chaotic. It is very stressful. It is like a weekly thing. Sometimes they lose your paperwork. You go without money. It's, it is not actually a great alternative to having a job. Uh, and a lot of the people I know who have had to be on unemployment during this entire time have dealt with an incredible amount of stress, just dealing with that system. So in a pandemic, in a pandemic. So if a $300 a week check plus all of that stress is so much that this person is like, I'm not going back to work. That person's job is not providing an incentive for them to return back to work. Yeah. It's also just like the Republicans like, okay, well, why don't we just fix your tax cuts so that you could just make an extra $300 a week if that's like so much then? Like, it's just sort of ridiculous to like what they think are incentives for them versus what they think are incentives for the average person. Like for them, the incentive, like, of course, like, for what, like, why would regular people be incentivized by $1,200 a month, but they need to be incentivized by like millions in tax cuts. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, I can't run my business if you don't give me billions of dollars in tax rate breaks. I can't possibly run my business. But if any an individual person is like tries to get ahead on the system in any way, they're like completely immoral. It's horrible. Everyone has to do something about this horrible person. Right. If I pay, if I work in um, like South Carolina and I haven't gone back to my job that pays me poorly and isn't requiring masks in the building and nobody in my state, I don't know the vaccination rates in South Carolina, but say you're concerned about vaccination rates in your area. Yeah. I'm not going to rush back to that. I'm not going to rush back to that. Of course not. And the Commerce Secretary, Secretary Gina Raimondo, she did say in response to this, like, there is, of course, I'm fine acknowledging that in certain areas it is uh, prudent to look at the employment rates and to talk about the need for extending some of these benefits, but to talk about it as if, like you guys said, that um, people are just like coasting and are just want to live on 1200 a month. Because I think, like you said, 
at least people that have not had to deal with this probably have this impression that like Mark, March, March 11th, people got signed up and they've mm-hmm. been getting their money. No problem ever since for over a year. No, All you do is fill out a quick form and they sign <laughs> you up and you don't have to call anybody and you don't have to wait in a line that drops you all the time. Like it's been the unemployment system was not ready for what happened. And so the people who have had to be dealing with it during this time, like it's out of necessity. It's because right. that is how they're getting any money to live. Like, and that's why this also ignores the amount of people that definitely still exist that do not have income, but are just not bothering with this. And those people also, for whatever reason, are not are choosing not to return to the workforce. So Republicans, as I said, are saying, well, it's because of the unemployment benefits It's definitely because of this. But there are obviously other factors discouraging Americans from returning to the workforce. I was like struggling with verbs here because I don't want to use any like tinged verbs. Like I don't want to say that people are discouraged and they're making the choice, but just just in a scientific sense, depressing people's will to go back because of conditions. But a large number of workers, as we said, they don't feel safe returning to work. Um, I saw this on CNN. I could not find the link, but it said that 55% of workers that earn less than $75,000 don't feel safe going back. So that just shows you that people like... I feel very safe going back whenever we go back. I trust like yeah. I, my yeah. boss, Sammy's not going to open that office unless we're all safe as hell. Like I feel yeah. very safe and I'm because I'm I'm not a blue collar worker and I've been able to stay at home. And that that percentage for people that work in in jobs like that are feel much safer. And most of them have not been asked to even go home yet. The other piece of a job like ones that we have is that like the environments are much more controlled. So like if someone you're not going to get like peop- new people coming into the office all the time who may or may not be vaccinated and you don't know and you can't control like the environment. These are people who work in jobs where there's like tons of just general mm-hmm. population coming and going and you have no way of knowing is this person we- not wearing a mask because they're vaccinated? Is Are they where are they not wearing a mask because they're an anti-masker and they yeah. don't believe in COVID? Like there's just no way. And if no I talk way. to them, they're going to go crazy and like start screaming and spitting on things, which is yeah. like something that people who work in service jobs have had to deal with during this whole thing is like, okay, so now someone without a mask has come in they might be completely insane. And if I ask them to put a mask on, maybe they'll attack me. <laughs> yeah, there were yeah. nine, there were three mass shootings in grocery stores last week. So I mean, what we're asking people to go back to is not, and I've seen that there have been, so the wages have responded slightly. Um, they've gone up like 2.7%. And I think that's how it's supposed to work. Like you have to create the biggest job growth in April was in hospitality, which like makes sense. It's the jobs that aren't where the demand is sort of staying has been the same throughout the pandemic that are seeing some, some static, but obviously the huge factor here is moms and people with caretaking responsibilities. They have, a lot of them have no choice, but to delay work outside the home. Only 54% of schools in the nation offer full-time in-person learning right now. And it's May in like a month or less, these kids are out of school anyway. Summer camp is expensive. Like, So again, of course, women are anticipating the caretaking burden, and we saw that in these numbers. So women have made up a majority of people leaving the workforce throughout the pandemic, but the beginning of the year showed an upward trend, some good things. But now for the first time in months, more women actually left the workforce than entered it in April. That's depressing. Yeah. Yeah. 
This is really depressing. The National Women's Law Center calculated that for every woman who left the labor market last month, nearly 2.2 men went back to work. Nothing makes me want to go back to work less than that statistic. I know it doesn't apply to bitches. We just show back up. Like people start returning to the office and it's fully mad men in there. And we're just like, oh, my God, what have you boys been up to? And they're like, we All drink sudden- during the day again. We smoke <laughs> inside. And it's like, oh my God. All of a sudden, the office is just like full of like all these white men who you've never seen ever. Like, yeah, they're all like age 40 or older. Exactly. <laughs> you rebrand it like Ben This is our new boss. <laughs> well, so that's terrifying. And of so about 4.2 million women left the workforce at the height of the pandemic. Only about half have returned. So we're not in a place where we're recovering from that. And something I read that was super grim is that so many elderly people have died from COVID that there are fewer grandparents to help with childcare overall. Oh my God. Oh, that's a huge thing. That's it's a especially huge grim thing. when you think of it that like, okay, even more, cause this is huge, but it's like, okay, some people were probably alleviated from caring for parents, but it did not even out. It's so many old people died and people that weren't even that old that were in their the people grandparents can be in their late 50s 60s early 70s and those people that would have had long healthy lives right like someone who you could reasonably be like well my my parents gonna be around for another 15 years to help me take care of my kid no i imagine there's also a pop like a population that where the like their the pair the the grandparents were at work they were working and then maybe they decided to retire because of COVID or maybe they got COVID and they have long COVID. And then that again, puts a burden on like people of our generation to then care for their parent that wasn't home before. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. That you really can't win. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, every stage of this pandemic has just completely highlighted like all of the weaknesses and things that are in our society that are about to bottom out. And through all this, it's the same thing holds, which is that the workforce is not that appealing. Like, why would you leave your job just to have to, why would you go back to work just to have to pay most of your new salary on a nanny? And people are, I saw another stat that 66% of people want us to do a new career. They're like, fuck it. I want to do something different. I've been out of this for a year. So yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of factors, but $300 a week is not one of them for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Right. No. Unless you're like paying in some other currency. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. So what are we going to do about it? So President Biden has unveiled additional spending packages that include paid parental leave, child care, and earlier universal public schooling. This is in the American Families Plan. He spent his whole joint, uh, his whole address to the joint session talking about this. These are all factors that would aid women's return to the labor market, parents return to the labor market, not just during a pandemic, but like forever. It would completely change things. Meanwhile, Republican governors in Montana and South Carolina will block their residents from receiving extended federal unemployment benefits. This means that about 150,000 people would suddenly lose all aid that they were expecting around the end of June instead of September 6th. That's how long that the, the aid was supposed to last from the federal government. Now, Montana Governor Greg Gianforte, he's going to give everybody $1,200 to go back to work, which is, I don't know. Okay, okay. Greg. And uh, South Carolina, they're not doing anything. They're just sort of taking it away. But then I'm like, okay, I'll just be unemployed for another month and take my time rather than rush to get a job. So you'll give me, I mean, it depends on the the urgency, but by giving people money, you're acknowledging that the sum is not the issue. 
Yeah, it's so right, crazy to right. be like, oh, clearly what we're do you need something. So I'm going to throw you. It's also, odd. I mean, there's so much that's odd about it, but it's just really sad because it's once again, just using like the people who are struggling the most as like a prop for your, you know, because mm -hmm. they want to fight this battle that Biden is creating this like socialist dependency state with all of these things. And so this this jobs report is and this like argument is the perfect thing for them to have right now and for them to push against Biden. So that's what they're trying to do. Right. I think it just goes to this issue that like Republicans don't really understand economic incentives that that mo motivate normal people like they understand like how to motivate like at least a fairly well off person, but mostly rich people. And then right. the rest of it is like, is it's just like, like why no would idea. I lift? A, why would I lift a finger if I didn't have to? Why yeah. would I? Why right. would I pursue a cent I didn't like? Yeah, they can't understand it. It's like Elise was saying. It's like, oh no, the billionaires. We have to. We can't tax them. Otherwise, they won't work. Like, right? Yeah, they won't do anything. They would not. They won't do any. Like they they won't hire people. Da da da. They won't. They'll charge fifteen dollars for a hamburger <laughs> if we don't cater to them. And they're all every whim. And it's like, okay, but a worker can't demand like the right to like go to the fucking bathroom. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So for our next topic today, we're going to talk about a spate of abortion laws. Here we are, another spate of abortion laws. I feel like these always happen in May for some reason. So in a few minutes, you're going to hear my interview with the CEO of Planned Parenthood Federation of America. Her name's Alexis McGill Johnson. But first, we wanted to discuss some of the background context. So states passed 28 anti-abortion restrictions in four days across seven states last week. How about that? Oh, my God. <gasps> Bananas. This is all they do. This is just all they do. They sit around. They went back to work. Yeah. Right. Wow. Someone's productive. Wow. Without getting $300 a week <laughs> to incentivize them. Yeah. As long as you can control women's bodies, they'll do that for free. They don't care. Yeah. Yeah. That's just for love of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in Oklahoma, okay, there's this girl on TikTok that I am so bad, but there's this girl on TikTok and she's um she's a clinic escort and she will just go 
there's people that there are protesters there that have like little tiny like toys that are tiny babies and they're supposed to like represent she'll take them from them and she'll just make obscene crazy jokes about them and like <laughs> pretend that they're food and she'll be like delicious it's just crazy but it makes oh i don't know that was a random aside but if you watch abortion tiktok you will find her <laughs> what's weirder doing that or buying those dolls earnestly and exactly. being like look at it <laughs> she puts like, like little mohawks on them i don't know it's it's That's wild. weird. There's such a weird shit around the culture. Of I think the reason it's so this. funny to me is because the height, the the emotion and the level that those protesters try to bring it to. And then she's just like, no, 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 no I'm not going right. to let you do this and just yeah. completely annihilates it. But so let's go through some of these in Oklahoma and Idaho state lawmakers. They banned most abortions at the first sign of a fetal heartbeat in Arizona. A new law bars patients from seeking abortion for genetic abnormalities in Montana, providers can no longer perform abortions after 20 weeks while abortion pills must be taken with a doctor present. There is absolutely no need for this. It is inconvenient. It is expensive. It's useless. Uh, this was the most anti-abortion legislation to become law in a single week in more than a decade. And like people haven't really heard about it because there's a lot going on. And we've kind of learned by now that these states' legislatures, they pass these bills, they become law within minutes some goddesses and gods at the ACLU and uh, Guttmacher and Planned Parenthood, whoever it is, they sue and get it blocked. And eventually they go through the courts and we just sort of wait for it to maybe make its way to the Supreme Court. And maybe that will happen eventually. Conservatives are emboldened by a six to three majority. And these bans, they still do fall along, fall into two categories. One, let's try to ban abortion completely and say that women don't have a right to it. Or two, just restrict it out of existence and make it so challenging and difficult for people to get that they basically don't. Something interesting I read this morning that was was that Florida, like mutual aid funds for abortions, they need help more than anybody. And you wouldn't necessarily think that because they're actually supporting people from uh, Mississippi, from Alabama, from Louisiana, who basically have zero access. So if you're looking to support them, I'll actually share something later. I'm going to do a, a feed post on all of these laws. Um, Florida mutual aid groups are a good thing to check out because they're just providing so many resources for people. But yeah, nothing better to do in state legislatures than this, I guess. Well, you know, what's funny how like the whole art, the whole conservative argument against like Medicare for all and against like any form of socialized medicine is that like it makes wait times longer and you can't get care and doctors are overworked. And yet you are asking doctors to watch women take pills. Yeah. Literally supervise the taking of a pill. So they clearly don't care about all those things. Also, <laughs> many times they'll watch you take the pill and then you go home. Like they, they yeah, just no, watch there's you no take reason. it. It's like, just because they say that you have to. Yeah. The FDA used to say that. And I think they got rid of it for the pandemic, but the silly. Very and that's it was so delayed on that. Like it took them like 10 years to basically catch up because doctors can kind I think doctors can sort of do what they want. They can say you can take this at home, but like the lawmakers will go by the FDA and the FDA can be sort of delayed on things. So it's like crazy to see how fast they were able to move on certain things during the pandemic. But women have been begging to be able to take the second abortion pill at home for, for actual decades. So we'll be watching that and stick around to hear me talk to the Planned Parent CEO of how you can get involved and in helping them out further. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Hello, it's Amanda, and today I'm back with Alexis McGill-Johnson, the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood Federation of America and the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. We are thrilled to have you here ahead of National Women's Health Week to discuss Planned Parenthood's efforts, especially a really exciting campaign you have going on called the Be Seen Campaign. First of all, I'm so honored to meet you. I've been such a fan of your work and so excited to see you in this position. So, so honored you've joined us. Oh, thank you for having me. That means a lot. And I'm a huge fan of Betches Up and very excited to be in conversation with you. Awesome. So I want to talk a bit more about the Be Seen campaign to start. It's really cool. It has a lot of elements and it's really highlighted how sexual and reproductive health care are inextricably linked to all social justice issues from racial justice, of course, to gender identity, immigrant rights and more. What is your goal this year in spotlighting those intersections? Well, look, I mean, at, at the heart of all of our movements, right, is a, is a deep desire to literally be seen, to be understood, to be valued, to be supported, to be loved, um, and to, you know, be recognized for, you know, everything that we are trying to do, even if we may not uh, uh, always get there, but just that the recognition of all that we put into who we are, you know, to me, the Be Seen campaign is like, in that way, a love letter to younger, um, particularly Black and Latinx audiences, you know, and it, it, it just comes with a simple message, like no matter what the world says, no matter what is happening, no matter all of these reckonings around us, we see you. We see the whole you and you are worthy, right, of care and respect and support. And, you know, it just, even though I'm not in the demo <laughs> at all, it speaks to me so much because, you know, you know, you need that, you, you need that rally voice in, inside your head sometimes just to get through. Yeah, yeah. Why did you, you've touched on this, but why did you feel it was important to raise awareness around the organization's values, especially for the younger Black and Latinx population? As you just said, you know, I think in the past year, as people have learned more just about how our country's systems work, that, you know, an inhibited access to healthcare is a direct result of some of those intersections. So why did you really want to focus on, on those younger folks? Yeah, absolutely. Look, because we know, first of all, access to healthcare is the foundation for social change, right? Because when you care for your body, when when you are not able to get access to care, your your potential is going to be limited. So we just kind of walking through that um, process of recognizing the fact that that caring for yourself matters for how you are going to be able to show up in the world. And, you know, again, particularly for younger Black and Latinx um, audiences, you know, these are generations that, you know, have been 
you know, continue to be offered the promise of freedom, um, continue to be told that you can do and be anything in the world. And yet when you see systemically what is happening, you know, what happened during COVID when, you know, healthcare disparities reminded us that that um, racism is itself a, a public health crisis. When we have seen, you know, the uh, amount of violence that's happening in communities of color from immigration to police involved um, shootings, you know, it is, it, it, it is very clear that these communities are much more likely to be going unseen, right? To be invisible, mm -hmm. to be ignored, mistreated, and misunderstood. And so this is really about, you know, um, standing with our patients, standing with our communities and saying, we see you, we are here to celebrate you, your resilience, your power, your beauty. You know, that is, you know, again, the message that I think um, to me, again, resonates um, because it helps cut through the noise, I think, too, about so much of the of the dis and misinformation and the, the hatred and xenophobia and racism that we're seeing um, yeah. that's being spread also by the same people who are opposing sexual and reproductive health care. So we are just there to see. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're actually interviewing Tammy Duckworth after this, and I was just reading her book, and she recounts this amazing anecdote about she needed a physical to to get a job somewhere, and she actually did. Her family had no money at this time; she was supporting her family. And in Hawaii, she realized the only place she could go to get a physical at a price she could afford was Planned Parenthood. Um, and I've realized that a lot, mostly because of like bad faith political framing, that I think your organization has done an incredible job countering with factual information and just being clear about the scope of the services you provide. But I think there is a possibility that some of the younger generations, they've often seen Planned Parenthood associated exclusively with options involving family planning and like a very narrow sense. People think that only does certain things, but obviously it provides a range of reproductive and general health services to women and girls. So as part of this campaign to raise awareness about the full scope of what Planned Parenthood offers to the community, how do you ensure those messages get out there? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that. I mean, you're right. We care about facts. We care about science. And we are, you know, we care mostly about providing a really amazing quality health care. And Planned Parenthood provides a range of services to all people of all genders, including cancer screenings, birth control, STI testing and treatment, also gender affirming care, and so much more. And I do think it's really important to, you know, um, let people know that Planned Parenthood, you know, we are a 104 year old organization, we have been in community for that long. Um, yeah. And we've, we've been providing this care um, as an essential, quite frankly, irreplaceable provider of, 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 of health care, um, you know, in this way. You know, it's, we've evolved as well, right? Currently over 300 Planned Parenthood health centers in 39 states offer gender affirming hormone care for transgender patients. And, you know, we are really proud of the fact that, you know, we have um, been able to welcome, you know, so many transgender non-binary patients, um, including youth to our locations for, for um, this kind of care. We also are the nation's largest provider of sex ed, right? So, yeah. you know, it is, it's it's kind of um, education um, is a critical part of healthcare, you know, building our knowledge and awareness around kind of what's happening in our bodies throughout our life cycle of sexual and reproductive healthcare is really important. Um, so, you know, I think that this campaign is also is an opportunity to give um, them the language to talk about the work um, uh, they're, that they're experiencing um, in healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't help but think just throughout the pan the early stages of the pandemic when everybody suddenly was like, oh my God, it's so hard to get tested for things. Well, exactly. That's why we need these community health centers everywhere to provide testing for all 
all types of, of our health. So our listeners are really invested in immigrant rights, of course. I'm curious if a lack of clarity about pursuing health care and um, just any potential consequences are a barrier for undocumented immigrants who might otherwise use Planned Parenthood services and wondering if the campaign's addressing that or how that works into the, the reach out work that you guys do. Yeah, you know, look, I mean, you know, Planned Parenthood also cares about these issues. You know, the yeah. patients who walk through our doors, you know, they live at the intersection of these issues, as you as you mentioned before, right? They they may come to us for sexual and reproductive health care, gender affirming care, but they may they will walk out and they may be worried that ICE is knocking on their doors or facing a, you know economic uncertainty or dealing, you know, as you just said, like with healthcare um, in the middle of a pandemic in ways that you may feel less likely to access care because of your status and. So, you know, for Planned Parenthood, this is not just, um, you know, a notion that in communities, it's not just a lack of access, it's also a lack of information, you know, um, yes. and we provide care to, um, you know, to folks, regardless of immigration status, regardless of how much money they make. Um, we run, you know, complementary programs um, like the Promotoras program um, across the country, which um, helps connect immigrant families to care. Um, and, you know, we use our voice to speak out on issues that affect our patients and communities because, you know, as I said, we're not just here for a patient's health, right? You know, we, we're, we're here for for our, our patients um, holistically so that they can live, you know, um, their lives as freely as possible. And, you know, and so, you know, from the healthcare side, I think that's actually what makes Planned Parenthood itself very unique. We are a healthcare provider whose healthcare um, yeah. is, is under attack, um, but it gives us an, a unique platform to connect the dots between why we have to fight for policies related to access to healthcare, but also ones that end, you know, inhumane criminalization and incarceration of immigrants. Like that's that that's the work when we, you really want to show up for a whole patient. Yeah, yeah. It's always like whenever my LinkedIn will always just like surface me news and stuff about Planned Parenthood, whenever there's job openings, it's like every so many different languages you guys are looking for and accounting for and making sure that you've got that covered. Um, so your time as a Planned Parenthood Federation of America's president and CEO has been pretty eventful. How do you see Planned Parenthood moving into a post-pandemic future? Have there been changes in how certain healthcare is distributed, things like telemedicine that will make services more accessible? Will anything make things harder? Well, I mean, you're right. The, it's last, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. never time to step in in the middle of a pandemic yeah. and a race reckoning in the middle of a, a crazy election. All these things were happening, yes, and we're still dealing with the consequences of them. Um, but one of the, I think, you know, I think we can all recognize the fact that, you know, our our normal is is going to be a totally different, not even a new normal, it's like going to be a totally different normal. Um, and we're going to adapt there, you know, our experience um, of providing healthcare during the pandemic meant that our affiliates across the country, um, they quickly launched telehealth services. They continued to provide essential health care throughout the pandemic. And, and I think these um, telehealth services in particular um, were really important because um, the ability to provide gender affirming care to folks who would have had to travel long distances during a pandemic. Um, you know, like being able That's to- huge. 
Yeah, meet, to, to meet folks in the middle of, you know, build a new infrastructure, essentially, um, but also really dig deep into, you know, what people know, you know, why people trust Planned Parenthood as a trusted healthcare provider, like what our, our, our very name represents to people. It meant that people were more um, likely to uh, to um, get the support, that seek the support and get the support and trust that they were getting the right support um, on telehealth. So, yeah, I mean, I think that thinking about telemedicine, that is certainly going to be um, a really important um, uh, investment that we continue to make to serve um, communities. We also know, we've also seen with STI rates, they they increased tremendously during the pandemic. We expect those to climb. Um, folks are already touting right. the vax. Our post-vax <laughs> world is the new summer of love. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah that's know, true. We have uh, to do some real outreach, you know, to be like, <laughs> get, get tested, yes. wear a condom, wear a mask, right. you know, all these things that, um, you know, our, our summer of love and our, our, uh, our post-vax world is going to bring us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And finally, where can people learn more about the Beasting Campaign, learn more about Planned Parenthood and support you in what is hopefully a really exciting time with a new administration, a woman vice president? Where can people learn more and get involved? Oh my God. Well, Planned Parenthood, you know, .org, certainly for all of information that you need, um, all, all of our services and so forth. Um, I'm really proud that, um, you know, the Be Seen campaign was actually just um, uh, 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 seen as the number one ad from Ad Forum this week. So, cool. you know, that's great. Really- yeah, is yeah. resonating. Yeah. And, um, you know, we invite people to call and leave messages about what it means to be seen at 188-BE-SEEN-1. Um, so, you know, people can talk about how it resonates and um, and we'll be sharing those um, those voicemails out through our socials as well to, you know, let people know that we see them, we hear them, um, and we are here for them. That sounds awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Alexis. We so appreciate it. Great. Thanks, Amanda. And until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betches Sub Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.